Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. Hello and welcome to History Tea Time. I'm Lindsay Holiday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. Ghastly Tales of Tudor Ghosts The Tudors ruled over England from the unlikely battlefield victory of King Henry VII in 1485 through the six wives of heinous Henry VIII and his three children's desperate fights over the throne to the agonizing death of the magnificent Queen Elizabeth I in 1603. The family's tragic interpersonal drama and penchant for beheading anyone who got in their way, including their own kin, have made them one of the most famous royal dynasties in history. While they are ample fodder for authors, playwrights, and movie and TV producers, they have also inspired a number of chilling ghost stories. As evidenced by the comments I received on my post about this year's Halloween special. So lock the door, turn down the lights, and light a candle. Pour yourself a Bloody Mary, and together, let's step briefly off the relatively firm ground of historic record and into the misty realm of legend, hearsay, and the supernatural as we recount the ghastly ghost stories of the terrible Tudors. In 1485, Henry Tudor of the Lancaster side of the War of the Roses defeated unpopular King Richard III of the York side. Richard was struck a mortal wound to the skull. His battle crown was found under a bush and placed on the head of the new king, Henry VII. To solidify his rather dubious claim to the throne, Henry married Richard's niece, Elizabeth of York, and the pair had a happy marriage. Elizabeth was the older sister of Edward V, the 12-year-old king who, along with his younger brother, had been locked up in the Tower of London and likely murdered by their uncle Richard. Check out last year's Halloween special, Three Twisted Tales of Royal Exhumation, for the full story. The princes in the tower have long been spotted, walking through walls and down dark corridors. It's possible that Elizabeth of York saw the specters of her siblings, as she spent much of her life living in the royal residence of the Tower of London. Surely she must have walked its lonely halls and wonder what had become of her baby brothers. 
or if she was treading on their very bones. Elizabeth herself met a sad end within the tower walls. In 1503, she gave birth to her seventh child, a daughter, Catherine, who died within a few days. Elizabeth died of childbed fever on February 11th, her 37th birthday. Her husband and children mourned her deeply. In this illuminated manuscript, 11-year-old future King Henry VIII is seen weeping into the sheets of his mother's empty bed. Among the throngs of phantoms witnessed in the tower, there is one who might be a remnant of the beloved queen. The mysterious White Lady is said to haunt the White Tower, near where Elizabeth of York died. Her presence is announced by the scent of perfume. A few tourists have reported being tapped on the shoulder, only to turn around and see nothing but a wisp of white. Perfumes were often used in Tudor delivery rooms to ward off evil miasmas, and white was the signature color of the Yorks. Elizabeth and Henry's eldest son, Arthur, Prince of Wales, was wed to Spanish princess Catherine of Aragon. The teenage couple were sent to Ludlow Castle so that Arthur could rule over his principality. But within weeks of their arrival, both bride and groom fell seriously ill with the sweating sickness. Catherine recovered, but Arthur perished at only 15. The ghost of a teenage girl wearing a Tudor dress is often reported walking the attic corridors and visiting the nursery at the Royal Lodge at Ludlow Castle. Feelings of being watched and cold drafts have also been reported. One witness came rushing out of the attic in terror after witnessing the teenager disappearing through a closed door. Legend has it that the specter is that of Catherine of Aragon, who is drawn to Ludlow because of the happy memories she shared there with her young husband. King Henry VII died in 1509 and passed the throne to his second son, 18-year-old Henry VIII. He married his brother's widow Catherine, and they fell very much in love. But over the two decades of their marriage, Catherine suffered the stillbirths of four babies. Her second child, Henry, Duke of Cornwall, survived, but at 54 days old, he was found dead in his cradle. Only one of her six children lived to adulthood, a daughter, Princess Mary. But this wasn't good enough for the king. He decided to divorce Catherine and marry her lady-in-waiting, in the hopes that she might give birth to a son to inherit his throne. When the Pope refused to grant him his divorce, the king split England from the Catholic Church and made himself head of the new Church of England. He required his subjects to swear an oath, proclaiming him the absolute religious authority in the land. Those who refused were sentenced to death. One of the victims of the king's fury was Margaret Pole, the wife of his cousin. Her execution in the Tower of London went horribly wrong. When the countess reached the scaffold, she refused to kneel, saying, So should traitors do, and I am none. When the executioner raised his axe, she ran, and he chased her all around the scaffold, finally hacking her to death. 
Margaret's screams of terror and pain can still be heard on Tower Green, and a few visitors claim to have seen a ghastly reenactment of the chase. Queen Catherine of Aragon was heartbroken, not only by being scorned as a wife, but also at the destruction of her beloved Catholic faith. Henry banished her from court and sent her to Kimbleton Castle, where she spent the remaining years of her life in misery. As a final cruelty, the king forbade their daughter Mary to visit her before she succumbed to cancer at the age of 50. The lonely queen is believed to still wander the halls of Kimbleton Castle, though she seems unaware that alterations have been made to the original floor levels. On one floor, the queen's skirts appear to project from the ceiling, and on another, her head and shoulders glide along the floor. Henry took as his second wife the vivacious Lady Anne Boleyn. Devout Catholics despised the new queen and accused her of using sorcery to ensnare Henry into marriage. They claimed she had six fingers, a sure sign of a witch. But Anne, too, failed to please Henry. She gave birth to a daughter, Elizabeth, and then miscarried twice more. Within three years, Henry grew tired of her and was incensed that she dared to object to his frequent infidelities. When Anne's enemies brought forth false evidence of her adultery with numerous men and incest with her own brother, the king was all too eager to bring his wife to a hasty trial and find her guilty of treason. The punishment for her crimes was burning at the stake. But Henry, ever generous, commuted her sentence to beheading and hired an expert swordsman from France who could do the job far more quickly and less painfully than a clumsy axe. While awaiting execution, Anne was held prisoner in the Tower of London. From her window, she could see the beheadings of the five men accused of being her lovers including her own brother, George. On the scaffold on Tower Green, Anne gave a moving speech to the crowd. Her ladies removed her cloak and placed a blindfold over her eyes. She knelt before the swordsman with dignity. As Anne muttered her final prayer, the executioner snuck up behind her and struck off her head with a single blow. The fallen queen's body was placed in an arrow box and buried in an unmarked grave in the chapel of St. Peter at Vicula inside the Tower of London. Anne's remains were identified in 1876 when the chapel was renovated. She did not have six fingers. Her final resting place is now marked on the marble floor. Anne's tragic demise has made her one of the most famous queen's consort in English history, and there have been numerous reported sightings of her spirit up and down the country. At her birthplace, Blickling Hall, legend has it that at the stroke of midnight on May 19th, the anniversary of her death, a ghostly carriage drawn by six headless horses and driven by a headless coachman arrives. Anne sits inside, dressed in black, holding her severed head in her lap. 
When her carriage reaches the door, Anne goes inside to roam the halls until daybreak. The driver of Anne's coach is said to be her father, Sir Thomas Boleyn. After dropping Anne off, Sir Thomas continues on, pursued by hordes of howling demons, cursing him for betraying his children. He must drive the coach over 12 bridges that lie between Warksham and Blickling for a thousand years as penance for his sins. The headless ghost of her wrongly beheaded brother, George Boleyn, has been spotted wandering the grounds of the Blickley estate, searching for justice and peace. Hever Castle was Anne Boleyn's childhood home and the site of many happy memories. Every Christmas Eve, the Queen is believed to cross the bridge over the River Eden in the castle grounds. She has also been seen standing beneath the Great Oak, under which King Henry once wooed her. The oak is still standing nearly 500 years later. Anne's ghost has also been spotted in two of the royal palaces, where she lived during her marriage. At Hampton Court Palace, she is seen wearing a blue dress and walking slowly with a sad countenance. At Windsor Castle, Anne has been seen standing at the window of the Dean's cloister, having an argument with the ghost of King Henry VIII. But the site most associated with the unfortunate Queen's specter is where she met her bloody end, the Tower of London. In 1817, a yeoman warder patrolling the White Tower suffered a fatal heart attack after encountering Anne Boleyn on a staircase. In 1864, a yeoman outside the Queen's house reported seeing the figure of a woman veiled in mist. She was wearing a Tudor dress and a French hood. However, where her face should have been, there was nothing. He challenged the figure, and when it did not reply and continued towards him, the guard made a thrust at it with his bayonet. The weapon passed through the figure, and a shock ran up his rifle and jolted him unconscious. The yeoman was court-martialed for falling asleep on duty, but he was found not guilty when several eyewitnesses told the court that they had also seen the headless woman on Tower Green that night. Late one night in 1882, the captain of the guard saw a candle burning in the locked chapel where Queen Anne is buried. He found a ladder and climbed up to peer inside one of the chapel windows. He later recounted what he witnessed in the empty chapel. Slowly down the aisle moved a stately procession of knights and ladies, attired in ancient costumes and in front walked an elegant female whose face was averted from him, but whose figure greatly resembled the one he had seen in reputed portraits of Anne Boleyn. After having repeatedly paced the chapel, the entire procession, together with the light, disappeared. Tales of the specter of Anne Boleyn became so commonplace that a popular song called With Her Head Tucked Underneath Her Arm was written about the ghost in 1934. A link to the gleefully ghastly ditty is in the description. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. History isn't black and white, yet too often it's presented as such. Grey History, the French Revolution is a long-form history podcast dedicated to exploring the ambiguities and nuances of the past. By contrasting both the experiences of contemporaries and the conclusions of historians, Grey History dives into the detail and unpacks one of the most important and disputed events in human history. From a revolution based on hope and liberty to its descent into the infamous Reign of Terror, there's plenty to discuss and plenty of grey to explore. One can't understand the modern world without understanding the French Revolution. So if you're looking for your next long-form, binge-worthy history podcast, one recommended by universities and loved by enthusiasts, then check out Grey History, the French Revolution today. Or simply search for the French Revolution. Within days of Anne's murder, King Henry married wife number three, Jane Seymour. At Hampton Court, she gave birth to his long-awaited male heir, the future King Edward VI. Twelve days later, Jane died of childbed fever. Her spirit has been seen wearing a white robe and holding a lit candle. She walks down the silver stick stairway, leaving the room in which she gave birth and died. From there, she glides out into Clock Court in the direction of her baby son's room. The now thrice-widowed king moved on to a political marriage with Anne of Cleves, but she failed to fawn over the now old and overweight monarch, so he promptly divorced her and moved on to a teenage bride, Catherine Howard. Catherine had been molested as a young girl. Unsurprisingly, she failed to tell the cantankerous old king that she wasn't a virgin. Worse, while she was queen, she carried on an affair with a courtier named Thomas Culpepper. When Henry was informed of these truths about his new wife, he had her arrested for treason. The 18-year-old queen was terrified and requested that a block be brought to her cell, so that she could practice laying her head upon it. The next morning, she was pale and trembling, but composed. She gave a speech beseeching mercy for her family, and then laid down on the block as she had practiced, this time never to rise again. Catherine was buried in an unmarked grave in the chapel of St. Peter at Vicula, near the remains of her cousins, Anne and George Boleyn. Her body was not one of those identified during the 1876 excavation. 
Catherine Howard's ghost is said to inhabit the halls of Hampton Court Palace. There, she reportedly reenacts the horrible scene of her arrest. She broke free from the guards and ran towards the door of the chapel, where Henry was at prayer, in hopes that she might beg for his mercy. The king ignored her pleas, and Catherine was dragged screaming back to her rooms. The corridor through which she ran is now called the Haunted Gallery and her ghost can be seen and heard running down the hall, pleading for mercy. Henry's sixth and final wife was widow and author Catherine Parr. She nursed the ill-tempered old king until his own death in 1547, age 55. Henry VIII's phantom is reported to appear at Windsor Castle. Visitors have heard his heavy footsteps echoing along the corridors and heard his moaning and groaning as he attempts to pull his ulcerated leg along behind him. In recent years, employees at Hampton Court have reported a heavy fire door repeatedly bursting open on its own at the same time every day. In 2003, security cameras captured this footage of a mysterious cloaked figure closing those doors. Some believe the specter resembles King Henry VIII. A palace spokesperson said the staff has ruled out any of their costume guides. We're baffled too, she said. It's not a joke. We genuinely do not know who or what it is. After King Henry's death, Catherine Parr was finally free to marry the man she loved, Thomas Seymour, and at the age of 36, she became pregnant for the first time. But shortly after the birth of a daughter, Mary, the Dowager Queen, died of childbed fever. Catherine Parr has been seen roaming the grounds of Sudley Castle, where she met her demise. She is dressed in a green Tudor gown and seems to be searching for something, perhaps her long-lost daughter. Sybil Pinn, a wet nurse to King Henry's children, Elizabeth and Edward, was devoted to her charges. She nursed Princess Elizabeth through a bout of smallpox, only to die of the disease herself. Her spirit started appearing at Hampton Court Palace around 1829, while the nearby church was being rebuilt and her tomb had been disturbed. Sybil's ghost is known as the Grey Lady. Near her old chamber, the sounds of someone working a spinning wheel were often heard through the walls. Upon investigation, a hidden room was discovered containing a very old broken spinning wheel. In 2015, a tourist took this photo, which may capture the image of the Grey Lady. In 2010, a tourist at Leeds Castle got a lot of attention with this video, which claims to show the ghost of Henry VIII's daughter, Princess Caroline, who died tragically at 13 months from a head wound. While the footage is certainly creepy, there is one small problem with its claim. There was no Princess Caroline. The pregnancies of queens were very well recorded, and none of them had a daughter who died around 18 months.
while Henry did father numerous other children by his mistresses. Check out my video on them. If one had been named Caroline, of which there is no record, then she would not have been granted the title princess or housed in the royal apartments at Leeds where the king's wives might have seen her. Whether this video captures the specter of some other tragic Tudor-age toddler or is a hoax altogether, it is not a child of King Henry VIII. Henry passed his throne to his nine-year-old son, Edward VI, but he only reigned for six years before dying of tuberculosis at 15. He was devoutly Protestant and wanted to keep the crown and the country out of the hands of his Catholic sister, Mary. So on his deathbed, he signed a will handing the throne to his cousin, Lady Jane Grey. The 17-year-old fainted when she was informed that she was now queen. She reigned for only nine days before Princess Mary gathered an army, marched to London, and arrested her. The counselors who had forced Jane into this dangerous position abandoned her to save themselves. Jane and her husband, Guilford Dudley, were imprisoned in the Tower of London. Mary, now queen, recognized that her cousin had been a political pawn and did not wish to execute her. But when a rebellion led by Jane's father frightened Mary's betrothed from coming to England, she signed the death warrant and the 17-year-old, nine days queen, lost her head on Tower Green. Jane Grey's lonely ghost has been seen wandering the battlements at night contemplating the betrayal which cut her life abruptly short. While alive, her husband Guilford scratched the word Jane into the stone wall of his cell. Since his death, he has been seen sitting in that same cell and weeping late into the night. Queen Mary's stint on the throne was brutal and short. She was determined to return the kingdom to Catholicism and burned some 280 Protestants at the stake during her five-year reign. At 37, she married her cousin, King Philip II of Spain, and loved him dearly, but her affections were not returned. She was desperate to produce a Catholic heir, and at last she began to exhibit symptoms of pregnancy. But as the 10th and 11th months ticked by, her swollen belly began to recede. She probably suffered a combination of a tumor and a psychosomatic episode. Following the humiliation of her false pregnancy, Philip returned to Spain and Mary was left heartbroken. She died at the age of 42, most likely of uterine cancer. The queen's fury against the Protestants earned her the nickname Bloody Mary, which she shares with a spooky children's legend and a vodka and tomato juice cocktail. In the game, young people dare each other to stare into a mirror in a dimly lit room and repeat the name Bloody Mary three times. According to legend, this will evoke the spirit of Mary, who will grab the child and drag them into the mirror. Unfortunately, the game has no historic link to Mary Tudor, but was invented by children in the Victorian era. 
The cocktail was supposedly named after a Parisian dancer in the 1920s who worked at a cabaret called Bucket of Blood. Upon Queen Mary's death, her younger sister Elizabeth became queen at the age of 25. Though she was courted by kings and princes across Europe, she refused to wed and became known as the Virgin Queen. And after the horror of her mother, Anne Boleyn's marriage, who could blame her? Elizabeth was a brilliant ruler, beat back the Spanish Armada, and delivered her nation into an age of peace, prosperity, and flourishing art and culture. After 45 years on the throne, the 69-year-old queen was suffering from ulcers in her throat, fever, and the side effects of years of lead poisoning from her white makeup. For two weeks, she sat on a cushion on the floor and refused to eat or go to bed. Suddenly, she asked her attendants to help her up, but she then remained standing with her finger in her mouth and her eyes affixed to the ground for a further 15 hours. Finally, she allowed her ladies to help her into bed, where she fell into a deep sleep and never woke again. Courtiers rushed north to inform her cousin, King James VI of Scotland, that he was now King James I of England, and the Tudor dynasty had come to an end. The ghost of Queen Elizabeth has been spotted at Windsor Castle by several members of the royal family, including Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip. The late Queen Elizabeth's favorite haunt is the library. In 1897, a lieutenant of the Grenadier Guards was sitting in the library when a lady dressed in black walked past him and turned a corner. Mesmerized, he followed, but could not find a trace of her. He asked an attendant who the lady was, but was told that he was the only person there that day. The ghost of Gloriana is said to appear more frequently when the nation is undergoing times of turmoil. King George VI allegedly saw the late queen late one night while he was worriedly pacing the library on the eve of World War II. Elizabeth I has also been seen standing at the window of the Dean's cloister. The specter of her mother, Anne, has also been seen in the same location, and perhaps in death they have been able to spend the time together that they were denied in life. Whether you fervently believe these spine-chilling tales of Tudor apparition, find them to be absolute poppycock, or simply enjoy them as a spooky good time, you have to admit that the fame and legacy of the Tudors will continue to haunt Britain, figuratively or literally, for many centuries to come. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. I'll be putting out new episodes every Tuesday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos, unburying some of my favorite hidden gems, and adding even more fascinating information for your listening pleasure. Want some visuals with your history? Then check out my YouTube channel, History Tea Time with Lindsay Holiday, where you can find hundreds of videos about queens of the world, royal history, women's history, and more. You can also follow History Tea Time on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. 
This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like Queen's Podcast, Ancient History Fangirl, Redacted History, and more. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.